in Psalms 42, beginning at verse 1, going down through 11. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, Where is your God? Look at this, folks. Look at these scriptures. These are words from a depressed, hurting heart. Hallelujah. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise. Notice that. I can remember when I used to go to God's house with a voice of joy and praise. But no matter what's going on, no matter what this and over here is doing, that and over there, I just can't feel the joy. I can't feel the praise. Now, I stand before you tonight, and I will admit to you as your pastor, because even though I'm a, I'm a man of God, I'm still a man. I understand what David is saying here. There's been times I've been in the house of God, Brother Paul, I, I didn't feel the praise. I didn't feel the joy. Maybe it was because of all the junk that was going on in my life. I don't know. Maybe it was because of this or that. I don't know. But I know I can relate to what David is saying here. Let's continue reading. He said, I went with him to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you... Now, listen here. He's talking to himself now. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? He's talking to himself now. He's trying to build himself up. He says, hope in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. I am broken inside. I'm depressed. I'm in despair. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, glory. Hallelujah. Let's continue to read. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill of Mazar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God my rock, Why have you forgotten me? That's why I played that short video. David's asking God. He's still calling him his God. He's still calling him his rock. But he's saying, God, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you cast down? Again, he repeats this. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my continents and my God. Lord, as we come tonight, I come doing my best to deliver a difficult topic and message. I call upon you, Lord, because you're the one who placed this in my spirit. I'm asking you, Lord, 
to help me, God, bring this forth. I don't know who a part of this congregation tonight is relating to this. I don't know how many is going through different things right now. You know every heart. Maybe there might be somebody here that's not going through this right now, but they are fixing to go through something that will introduce them to depression. And so, because out of love and concern, you're wanting to warn them ahead of time, to give them hope, to let them know that they're not alone. Whatever the case may be, I'm asking you, God, to anoint me and anoint the listeners. Help us, God, to reach out unto you because you are our only hope. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I want to begin a series, and I don't know how many lessons that will be involved. As I told you this morning, I don't, I don't have two, three, four, five, or six ahead of time. I'm, 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 I'm waiting upon God for this. I'm letting God to give it to me as, as I go. I believe, I believe that God ordains every service. I think God has at every service uh, who needs to be there to experience whatever's going forth in that service. And so uh, whatever, whoever is here next Sunday morning when we get in part two, there will be something given to me by God that will touch their particular need. But I want to begin this study that I've called Emerging from the Depths of Despair. Emerging from the Depths of Despair. I, uh, I put it that way and I'm talking about it that way because I want you to know you can come out. Hallelujah. I want you to know that there's no hopelessness there with God. You can emerge from whatever it is that you are going through. You can emerge from whatever you are feeling. And so we're going to be talking about emerging from the depths of despair. And this first lesson, part one, I've entitled a question. Where are you, God? As we saw in the video, and as we heard King David question God in our scriptures, why have you forgotten me? Now, I know some people think it, that somebody don't really preach unless you're going 95 mile an hour, jumping up and down, uh, sweating and baptizing everybody on the first three pews and spit. Hallelujah. Uh, and some people don't think unless you're running the aisles and jumping over and walking on top of pews that the Holy Ghost is not moving. But the best services I've ever been in is where that peaceful, quiet presence. <laughs> oh, Lord, I love that. Oh, I love that. It's in those services that you can just feel the Lord and the Holy Ghost wrap His arms around you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I, and I really feel like tonight, church, that that's what God wants to do with some folks the next few weeks in this message. He wants to wrap his arms around you because he knows there's a lot of hurting people. Amen. People going through all kinds of stuff. Uh, I'm, I won't get into why uh, because depression can be, be triggered, triggered by many things. And uh, I will say this uh, on, on the onset that there is uh, depression that is uh, physical, that is a chemical imbalance within your mind, uh, and that happens to a lot of people. And uh, it, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's a physical thing. It's, uh, it is, uh, like I said, there, we all got certain chemicals in our brain that God put there when he created us. We've got things within us that trigger to make us feel good, to make us feel happy, um, and, and things like that. And when those things begin to get off balance and out of place, 
amen, your world begins to fall apart. Amen. And then there's also, and I will not leave this out, but there is also a spirit of depression that the enemy puts on somebody, uh, and, uh, and that affects people too. Uh, so it, it comes it comes different ways. I want to begin by giving you a, a brief rundown about uh, depression. Depression is an issue far too many religious leaders fail to address and deal with. And as I said a few minutes ago, those who do, uh, uh, do it either uh, like, act like it's of little importance, or they take the other extreme by saying people can control it if they want to, and that there's no reason for a spiritual man or spiritual woman to have it. I've heard that preached, but it's a lie. It's wrong. It's false. Uh, there's no way that you can have strong enough will to say, I will myself to be happy. You ain't going to will yourself to be happy if you ain't happy. Hello, somebody. Glory to God. Amen. You can't wiggle your nose like uh, 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 Samantha on Bewitch and make it go away. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and I, want, I want to say that do not let nobody tell you that you are a second class child of God because you deal with issues or somebody you know that's close to you deal with issues of depression. And let me say this again. I believe God is a healer. I, not, not, let me, let me uh, retract that and put it this way. I know God is a healer. And I also know that God heals people in different ways. God has given us modern medicine. When Jesus chose the 12 men to follow him around all Judea when he was here, Jesus picked a physician to go with them. Amen. Hallelujah. Luke was a doctor. A medical doctor. He was picked by Jesus. Hallelujah. Man could not have the knowledge to do what they do if it wasn't for God given that man cannot do that. Man could never figure out how to split open a man's chest and pull out his heart and work on that heart and hold it in his hand. Keep that joker alive. Amen. Fix what's wrong with his heart. Put it back there and send him on his way. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, Brother Paul, you've been healed various ways. God has healed you before instantaneously. Through prayer. But he's also healed you through a physician. There are times when I take medication. I pray before I take the medication. I say, God, you help this stuff to do what's intended to do. Come on, somebody. Now, I come out of old school Pentecost. The man who baptized me in Jesus' name, you want to talk about strict. He was strict. You did not go you did not go to a doctor for any reason. The man lost his credibility and was almost kicked out of the out of the community which they lived in because he literally let his wife lay on the bed uh and uh, uh and let her die through a sickness that she had because he was too stubborn in in what he had believed that God only healed uh, by anointing with oil and so he says unless God heals her that way she won't be healed. But she wasn't healed, and she died. And he lost his church and everything, and nobody had confidence in the man in the future because, uh, because of, of his stance. Now, that's between him and God. I'm not trying to judge him. I'm thankful to God that this man baptized me in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you, in Pentecost, and not only in Pentecost, and a lot of other churches, there's a lot of people go to the extremes. I've known some men preach for 20 years that you don't even take an aspirin. 
But I can remember my daddy says, he says, if he lives long enough, he'll take some medicine. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. God gives us things for a blessing. Amen. He gives us things for a blessing. Now, we need, we, we need to use those things and use them wisely. Men don't know everything. We don't put our total confidence in men. Now, I'm going somewhere with what I'm saying here. I'm going somewhere with that saying this. Don't, if, if you, I, I, I know, I know we have people in our congregation that have to take certain kind of medication for depression. And I am not going to get up here and tell people they ain't got faith in God and they're wrong and they ain't got enough Holy Ghost for not trusting God because that's a bunch of bull. Hallelujah. Amen. God gives us enough sense to let us know what we should do and what we, uh, we shouldn't do. Hallelujah. You need to learn to follow the Spirit of God that God gives you. If God tells you, if, if man tells you to do one thing, but you feel in your spirit you shouldn't do it, I say you should obey God. Hallelujah. Amen. I, 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 believe, that, I believe that we have to find a, a, a balance on this thing. The Bible says a false balance is abomination unto God. Hallelujah. Some people get too far this way. Some people get too far that way. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. And so I, 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 don't, I don't want people giving up on the church and giving up on God because they're going through some things. Because Hey, let me tell you something. If I did not take... If I didn't take my metformin, my, my glucophage, and my actos on a regular basis, I would not be standing before you right now ministering to you. Now, until God heals me or I, I am able to correct things through my diet and I pray, praise God, hallelujah, that's happening after many, many years. I thank God I, I've lost over 18 pounds in the last month. Hallelujah. Went to the went to the heart doctor and that high blood pressure that's been been uh, been so concerned that I was not going. I only, I'm only five years from retirement where I can walk away from that school bus and just minister full time. Hallelujah! And and man, they've been threatening me and threatening me because of that high blood pressure. I went to that cardiologist just a week or so ago. Hallelujah! And I give God the praise, not the medication, but I give God the praise. He looked back and says, man, your blood pressure is 123 over 60. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what? I'm, I'm believing God. If I continue doing something myself and do my own part, I, I, can t- I lose about 18 to 20 more pounds. I might be able to push that medication completely aside. Hallelujah. Amen. What I'm talking about, folks, is we, we can't go off and, and go, you know, I mean, I love, I love Pentecostal people. I love, I, 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 man, I'm apostolic through and through. But, folks, we cannot go off half-cocked about this thing. We, let, we need to let the Holy Ghost give us wisdom. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I, 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 I've done some of this stuff myself, and I'm sorry to say, when I was younger, younger man, and I, did, I, did, I didn't have the wisdom and the knowledge in, in God as I have today. And God, God forgive me for some of the things that I have laid over on people. But folks, we are guilty of putting heavy burdens on people. A lot of people in the church walk around with a Pharisee, cynical spirit. Hallelujah. Just like Jesus told the Pharisees in his days, he says, woe to you doctors and your law. He said, you lay burdens heavy upon people. Amen. You oppress them with some of your teaching and what, what you say they got to do this and that. And he said, you don't even do it your own self. Brother Bobby, I'm fully convinced that we could get a whole lot more people to understand the truth of being baptized in Jesus' name if we would drop all this other stuff that we're trying to put in people's life. Hallelujah. 
Glory, I feel the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. My Lord. Hallelujah. So don't let nobody tell you that you, if you was a spiritual enough man or woman, you wouldn't have to take this kind of medication or that kind of medication. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The fact of the matter is a majority of those in the ministry, they know little about it. And some of them could really care less. To them, there are more pressing needs to deal with. I, I have a little first-hand knowledge of it because of what we have battled with Sister Darlene down through the years. I have sat and experienced a lot of things with doctors and, and different things with what issues she's had to deal with. And as I said this morning, I have battled depression myself from time to time. I mean, it, 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 it's, so, it's so funny. I mean, here you are feeling down and you're feeling uh, depressed. And God has given you blessings here and you're giving you blessings there. Amen. And I, and I, and I told Stanley, I said, I said, you know, I've been battling some depression for the last few years. Yeah, I know. I said, I don't really understand why because God's blessed here. God's done this and everything. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, folks. Amen. Listen, we don't have a control on every disease that hits us. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory. Major depressive disorder affects approximately 14.8 million American adults. Or let me rephrase that. Every year in America, every year in America, 14.8 million American adults, which is about 10% of the population from age 18 years old and older, are uh, prognosed with uh, depression. 14.8 million a year. Think about that. That's a lot of folks adding to the list every year. A lot of folks. Women experience depression twice the rate of, of men. And this two-to-one ratio exists regardless of racial or ethnic background or economic status. I, I did research on this. I felt like that I should do some uh, uh, as, uh, as I get into this to lay a foundation. The lifetime prevalence of major depression is 20 to 26% for women, 8 to 12% for men. Now listen to this. This is important. Uh, depression is the cause of over two-thirds of the 30,000 reported suicides in the United States each year, according to uh, the Conference on Mental Health. There are over 30,000 suicides in this country every year, and depression is the cause of two-thirds of it. For every two homicides in the United States, there will be three suicides. Now, every night now, it's, it's not like it used to be when I was a kid. You turn on Channel 5 or Channel 4 or Channel 2, which local, whichever one you listen to, I mean, it's every night. Somebody shot here, somebody shot there, drive-bys. I mean, you know, it, 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 it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, people being, you know, killed. But for every two, and, 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 and you know how many that we are having, but for every two homicides, every two murders, there are three suicides. People taking their own life. The suicide rate for older adults is more than 50% higher than the rate for the nation as a whole. Up to two-thirds of older adult suicides are attributed to untreated or misdiagnosed depression, according to American Society on Aging. Untreated depression is the number one risk for suicide amongst youth. Suicide is the third leading cause of death from the ages of 15 to 24. 
more and more of our teenagers are taking their life. And can I say that a lot of it has happened? Bullying has always been a factor. We've seen a young man on that screen there in school drop, drop down in front of the lockers. But because of technology, this thing about cyberbullying has gotten out of hand. There has been things posted on Facebook and other social media about people, about young people, that most of it has been, been, been lies or made up or whatever, but it gets posted, it gets thrown out there. And, you, and then let me say, you better, you better think three or four times before you put anything uh, on, on there because you, once you hit that button and send, it's forever out there. You may delete it off of your hard drive, but it's out there on the internet. Chris is an expert in this. Am I right, Chris? Many teenagers have committed suicide because things that they saw posted on Facebook. They become depressed. Uh, and uh, uh, and all these it's the fourth leading cause of death in 10 to 14 year olds uh, young males aged 15 to 24 are at a high risk for suicide with a ratio of males to females 7 to 1 according to the American Society uh, of Mental Health the death rate from suicide remains higher than the death rate listen to this now we know, we know a lot of people with liver problems. But the death rate from suicide remains higher than the death rate for chronic liver disease, Alzheimer's, homicide, arteriosclerosis. I didn't pronounce that. Maybe I said it close enough. You understand what I mean? Hypertension. There's more deaths from suicide than all of those things. I think I should have told you enough by now to know this is a serious issue. It's an issue that we should be dealing with, that we should be speaking from the pulpits and from the classrooms a teacher should be dealing with these things. Because sometimes with, with small kids, and, and I've learned this uh, with the job that I do, you know, you take with a little fellow, a little kid, something... To us, we would think be silly, but man, to them, could be so bad. I, I I hadn't been driving a school bus long. I was sitting in front of Gladeville Elementary School, and I had, uh, just started driving, and it was uh, it was the year of the of the big tornado that came through Nashville and went on out there through Hermitage and took down a thousand trees at the Hermitage and, you know, the damage it did uh, in 98. And uh, that was the year that I started driving for Wilson County. And, and, I, and they put me and I was driving out of, out of Gladeville. And uh, all the buses sitting out there and they had uh, the bus people there and getting the bus loaded. And then when they tell the buses to roll, they, they like to get them rolled out and they tell them the buses to move and uh, and get moving and everything. And and I realized then uh, uh, that this was going to be more than just a job for me, that it was also going to be a way for me to minister. I was sitting there, my bus was already running, I had all the lights on, and, uh, and kids, kids, everybody that on the route to where I'd be taken was loaded. And up come this little, little fella. He uh, 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 was, uh, uh, was a first grader. And they, at the time, he walked up to my side, and uh, Mr. Sam, Mr. Sam, and the person out there on, on the sidewalk was telling me to roll on, roll on. And this little fellow was, Mr. Sam, my, my backpack won't zip up. We, uh, will you please fix this, Mr. Sam? You know, a little, little, little bitty tight. And uh, I says, I says, go ahead and turn around. 
go back to your seat and sit down and get your daddy to do it when you get home. And he looked up at me with them big brown eyes and he said, but Mr. Sam, my daddy's in heaven. I thought, oh God. Man, it ripped my heart out. Here I am worried about getting out of there. And to this little fella, he needed, he, he needed a male figure. He, there was something he couldn't, it wasn't a big problem, but he, it was a problem that he couldn't take care of. And it, it was a concern to him. And God spoke to me, told me, he says, you're not here just to make money. You're here to minister just like you do at the church. Hallelujah. And from that day to this, and I've been driving now all those years. And a lot of mornings when I start my morning, amen, around 4 o'clock, and I'm, when I'm up praying and reading my Bible, I says, Lord, help me to always see an opportunity to minister to these kids. Don't, don't let me get so caught up in route time and got to be here at this time and that time that if the kids that I care. And God is blessed. Listen, I've been, through, I've been through some rough times, man. I whew, been times driving that bus <laughs> dealing with those kids. I, I felt if I did what I felt like doing, I would, I would look like Brother Paul there. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. But you know what? I've tried to be an example. Take the time for the kids. And it's passed on from one group to the other. And, and the route that I'm on right now, I told Darlene the other day, listen, there's one thing you don't want, don't want to never do. You don't want to never drive a school bus home on a Friday afternoon when it's the last Friday before kids are going to be out for a time. Metro is out for fall break all next week. You talk about wired up. They are wired up. Hallelujah. They will sink your boat. Hallelujah. And as I was headed home, I heard drivers on that radio all over the county, dispatch, dispatch, send me school security. I'm pulled over the side of the road. I can't drive no further. I can't drive. There. Says these kids are all out of the seats or hanging out of the windows. One driver says, I ain't about y'all better get somebody out here. I ain't got no, I ain't no kid going to cuss me out like this kid's here cussing me right now. Y'all better get somebody out here tonight or I'm going to be on the nightly news if you know what I mean. I can't believe she had enough nerve to put that on the radio because that dispatcher says, uh, you need to call me via telephone right now. Not, not telephone, landline. They call it landline. Here I am hearing all that stuff going on and everybody else. But because I have tried to make it a ministry. Girl behind me says, Mr. Sam, good thing you got some good kids, you know. He said, We're said, we like you. They're getting off, said, Have a good week, Mr. Sam. I said, Y'all have a good week. I respect them, and they respect me. And I know there's a lot of stuff going on in kids' life today, but I'm going to tell you something, folks. A lot of folks don't realize what these children have to live with. I, I, pick, up, I pick up some kids where there's four or five in the same family. And none of them's got the same last name. And some of them, I don't even think they know who their daddy is. These kids are hurting. They're going through depression. 
I was upset with one kid one time a few years back, and I was talking to him and trying to get find out what was making him do what he was doing. And I said, you know, I, I says, I... I says, I, I says, I'm, I'm going to have to write you up for this one. I'm going to have to go. We're going to have to go talk to the prince about this. And, and that kid just broke down and began to cry and say, Mr. Sam says, I know, I know I messed, messed up. He says, but, it, but And I couldn't believe these kind of words coming out of a, coming out of a, a third or fourth grader talking about if you, just under, if you knew what my life was like the words he said and as I spent time for him he didn't have a regular home to go to he was living in the foster care and these kids are the ones because nobody shows them no love no care and no compassion they turn to drugs and to alcohol I have drove down the streets. I don't know why I've lingered on this, but I, I, I'm falling what, what I'm feeling in my spirit. I'm talking about suicidal things, especially with young kids today. I've drove down the street to let off kids, small kids, and I would look just a little bit of ways ahead of me. And I, I, you can tell them, man, you learn to pick them out a, uh, a, a country mile away. Amen. These old older dudes, jokers, sitting out there offering the kids free drugs. Giving it to them. Here, take, take a toke of this weed. Somebody asked me one time, why are they doing that? I said, they're getting hooked on it. They're creating a customer. So I look for them jokers now. I, hey, the only thing the only, only thing would keep me from popping that, uh, that air brake and jumping off the bus and heading after one of them is because i got kids on the bus and I can't leave those kids on the bus. But I guarantee you when I see them, I get dispatched and I say, y'all get Metro over here right now. Let me give you a description of this joker, amen, that's messing around with these young kids. Because they get him hooked on that stuff and then they get to work, amen, they start have to robbing and stealing, amen, because they don't have the money in their family to buy the stuff, amen, and then a lot of them wind up taking their lives. I guess the main reason why God's having me talk this way tonight on this first night of this message is all of us as Christian people, we need to learn to have more compassion. Even for those that rub us a little raw. Even for those that kind of get on our nerves. I think a soul, I think a soul is worth enough. If Jesus died for a soul, if he did what he did for a soul, I think that souls are worth enough for you and I to take a little time to listen. Because there are people laying six foot in a grave right now that's taking their own life simply because they couldn't find nobody to take the time to listen to them. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I might not get finished with this tonight. This part one. I might. Have to. I want to give you a, uh, give you a little bit of uh, uh, definition of depression. This is what medical books and dictionaries and various things has to say about depression. When we talk about depression, we're talking about feelings of dejection, sadness, apathy, difficulty in gaining energy, or excitement. You wouldn't maybe think about it first, but the reason why some people seem to mope around all the time and don't never have no energy is because they're going through depression. You can't get no energy. You don't have no excitement about nothing. You feel fatigued all the time. 
pessimism, feelings of hopelessness. I'm still reading from the medical book's definition of depression. Fear, attitudes of worthlessness, hopelessness, loss of interest, inability to experience pleasure, a loss of self-esteem or potential. There are people sometimes who just throw up their hands and say, what's the use? What's the use? Church, there's some doors for us to walk through for ministry. Hallelujah. You may save a life if you don't do nothing but be a friend to somebody to make them feel like that they are worth something. Because there's a lot of people even sitting on church pews who don't feel like they're worth anything. They don't feel like that they are needed. They don't feel like that they are wanted. They, they, they feel within my, their spirit that nobody could care less whether or not they're here or not. That's why. And we used to do this. And, and, and uh, I, I thank God for Sister Faye when she, when she come. She always contacted people every week when people didn't show up. When we, if we call ourselves a family and we say we're part of a family, we should be concerned when we look around and we see that there's somebody that's normally there that's not there. Hallelujah. It's worth a, a phone call. It's worth something. Uh, because some people feel like, what's the use? Hallelujah. And you'll grow You'll bless somebody else and you'll grow. I had to be willing just a few days ago to make a phone call and apologize to something, somebody for something that I said. And when I got here this morning, it was worth it. But there are some people who are so filled with pride, they'll never admit they're wrong. They'll never be willing to apologize. There are men that's so macho that they never would one time tell anybody they're sorry. But you know what I think God's looking for? I don't think he's looking, amen, for more of these holy, righteous folks, but I think God is looking for somebody that's got a soft enough heart to admit when they're wrong, amen, and to say they're sorry, even if they, if they feel like they wasn't wrong, to say I'm sorry anyway. Amen. Because all this stuff comes together. It all comes together. There's nothing no worse than feeling like that you're not wanted, and that you don't have no use. But everybody's important in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. I mean, I, I get caught up in things that I have to do in my life sometimes. gets going in so much uh, inertia. Amen. With uh, what I'm trying to do uh, and, and juggle with, the, with passing the church and, and, and holding down another job and, 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 and taking care of this missionary stuff. Amen. It just, uh, uh, sometimes it gets overwhelming to me uh, trying to handle it all. Uh, 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 people don't understand, amen, how, I mean, it gets so much in my life that it, it, it takes sleep from me. I, I lay down at night and I try to go to sleep and I can't sleep because when I hit my head hits the pillow, my mind is racing at a thousand miles an hour thinking of everything that I should have done today that I didn't and I'm worried about if I'll have time to do it all tomorrow or not. And when we get like that, then we sometimes, because we are so tied up in all that other stuff, 
then we don't take the time with one another like we should to let one another how much we love one another and appreciate one another. Sometimes we pass somebody by, maybe not speak to them, and it's not that something that you intend tend to do, but it's just because your mind is so intense and caught up in so much stuff. Hallelujah. Amen. You know what? I wish we had a TV camera because this is the kind of message ought to be preached on TV. Because this thing is a serious thing. Hallelujah. So many people are caught up. And all of these things that I've talked about can trigger it. Every bit of it. Hallelujah. So there's the law. So I, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come to a quitting spot. I'm going to come to a quitting spot. But I, Lord, this. Hallelujah. People experience, like I said, a, a loss of pleasure. They, don't, they can't feel pleasure in nothing that they do. Loss of self-esteem. They don't feel like they have any potential for their life. And this is experienced according to a well-known physician. He says people experience this. Everyone experiences some of these things at various times of their lives. His name is Dr. Klein. He wrote in the Journal of American Med uh, Journal for Med American Medical Association, and he further stated this: more suffering has resulted from depression than from any other single disease affecting mankind. Now, I've seen a lot of people suffer greatly out of cancers and, and things of that, but according to this Dr. Klein, he says in his experience that more suffering has resulted from depression than from any other single disease affecting mankind. In light of all these statistics and information that I've given you tonight and laying a foundation for this message, I think it's time to tackle head-on, both the disease and the spirit of depression. So those of us who deal with it can overcome its clutches of death and emerge from the depths of despair. There's hope. God can walk you through it. The Holy Ghost was given as your comforter. Not just so you could talk in tongues. But the Holy Ghost was given to you to abide with you. And abide means to stay. It means that the Holy Ghost is with you when you feel like you're all alone. The Holy Ghost is with you when you feel like everybody else has deserted you. The Holy Ghost will never leave you. When I was younger, uh, I used to think I had to get myself really worked up when I was called. I was going somewhere to preach. I mean, man, I would just, I would just be going. And uh, uh, Sister Darlene, I don't know how she's put up with me all those years, especially when I was, yeah, I was younger. I mean, I would be, I mean, just, just. Stepping in, doing everything to try to. I wanted to be anointed. I wanted to be anointed, and I mean, I just and I still do a lot. I mean, I, as, as what my mom used to tell my my daddy, she said, Sam, everything you do, you 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 go at it like you're fighting a fire. You slow down a little bit, you know. I mean, I have you know I've been used to that all my life. <laughs> Darling gets on, Darling says, man, I get so tired. No matter where we go, I always get there an hour early. But I mean, I'm thinking in my mind, I've got this thing. This is a principle. That uh, that was bled into me. I'm sorry, sorry years ago, but my, by my mentors, that's got me thinking that uh, it's always better for me to be an hour early than a minute late. And I don't think I'll ever get that out of me because that was bred in me many many years ago. But I used to think, man, I had to I had to get myself built up, you know, and get get ready for the anointing. And man, I. 
uh, man, we'll do so much up. I, because uh, <laughs> I, I know that you know, the, the importance of the anointing. Finally, I think I word the Lord to death. Because he spoke to me one time and told me, he says, listen, when I anointed you, that anointed was permanent. God told me, he says, my anointing is with you 24 hours a day. You don't have to build it up. You don't have to get all built up and, uh, and, and get, a, get in a song and do 90 mile an hour or whatever. He, God says, when I anointed you, and he says, anybody I anoint, I abide. the word abide means to stay with. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. And you, you know what? That anointing has never let me down. I don't have very much confidence in myself. I don't trust myself. I don't have confidence in myself. But I trust the anointing of God. It's never let me down. It's never let me down. Hallelujah. God has kept his word. Hallelujah. Even when I'm going through turmoil myself, when I needed it, it was there. Hallelujah. So, folks, in closing tonight, if you know anybody that's dealing with any type clinical depression, uh, you know a, a lot of a lot of women uh, go through postpartum depression. Darlene went through that. I mean, she had <laughs> all those kids, bam, 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 you know, right, right there together, and she had to do that, and and uh, uh, she had that and suffered from that and never did get treated for that or really understand about what that was back back at the time. There's a lot of things like that. And I believe I believe right now while God is dealing with me on this thing right now, I told you all a few weeks ago that God was changing my message and he was giving me a perfected message to perfect his church to get ready to go out here. I, this is part of that, folks. Because God knows there's a lot of us got too much stuff that we're carrying around, and God says we got to lay some baggage off of us. If we want to be able to rise up out of here in the rapture, hallelujah, we're going to have to lay some baggage down. Hallelujah. Amen. 50% of all marriages today end in divorce, and 75% of all second marriages end in divorce. Did you know that statistic? That 75% of all second marriages, and the reason why that, and amen, a lot of people who enter into second marriages is carrying luggage from the first. God says he wants you to lay aside all those weights. Drop off all that luggage we've been carrying around, those burdens we've been carrying around. I felt good about this ministry tonight, ministering this. I hope that you have. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.